outside the tank is not affiliated with Shark Tank. Welcome to Outside the Tank, the first podcast in the world that interviews the entrepreneurs featured on Shark Tank. We get the inside scoop on how they got there, what lessons they learned, their biggest regrets, what didn't air on TV, what has happened to them since, and so much more. Prepare to be informed, inspired, and entertained. Welcome to an all-new episode of Outside the Tank. Welcome to an all-new episode of Outside the Tank. I'm Tom. That's Joe, your fearless (laughs) co-host. We're back again. They haven't canceled us yet. You know, they haven't canceled us. They can't because it's our show. We control everything because we're entrepreneurs and we like control. Yeah, I just, Joe, this is funny. We just talked about that this week, you know, because Joe said, he's like, you know, is the the station happy with us? And I I said, excuse me, he goes, well, the AM station that this radio show that we're doing is on. I said, no, Joe, it's actually a podcast. I have, you know, I have uh, serial radio. I have a subscription to serial. (laughs) Uh, okay, so we have. Hey, hey who's yeah. this, who's uh, who's our sponsor? Oh, this show is sponsored by Growth Ten, your entrepreneurial virtual community at large. How's that? Not good. <laughs> yeah, no one's going to go there now. Really? I, I thought that was terrible. You know, I bet you there's three people listening that are going to go to www.growth10.com. <laughs> Dot com. It's on the interweb, folks. He, sa- in- he says the www just to annoy me because I tell him, you know, you can just tell people our website's growth10.com. And so he just he does the www just to annoy me. But seriously, Growth 10's where, uh, you know, we hang our hats. It's our business. Uh, we put really, really talented groups of entrepreneurs together on a monthly basis, uh, half day, all virtual to work on their businesses to help each other instead of trying to figure out all of this damn stuff alone. So if you're an entrepreneur and you want to grow your business and you want to do it with other talented, like-minded, killer entrepreneurs, go to growth10.com, see what we're up to. Um, Hit us up if you have any questions. Tom at growth10.com, Joe at growth10.com. We really like helping nice, scaling entrepreneurs grow faster and not have to figure this stuff out all alone. And our members are, are the, the members that we've attracted are lifetime learners. These are people that really, really like to learn, get better. But more importantly than that, we've attracted members that have incredible talent and want to share that talent of those best practices with others. So it's a great combination. All right. So the reason we're here, Ashley Drummond's of Abs protein pancake. These are low calorie pancakes. She comes into Shark Tank asking 120,000 for 40% of the company. Um, More than usually uh, you see people come in with. These are 250 calories for three pancakes. That means they're healthy, Joe. I know. And they're gluten free. I don't even know what gluten (laughs) is, but they're gluten free and they're all natural. Um, Good stuff. And she came in uh, having been at the game for about 11 months, 100,000 in sales, all internet, uh, internet-based sales as well. Yeah, that means online. Online, on that web, the WWW thing. So, and, you know, we'll, we'll find out more about this during the interview. 
<laughs> no, I was going to be serious. We'll find out more about this during the interview. But I mean, she started making these at home. So, you know, when people say, oh, I need to get my idea. Oh, I don't have access to a commercial kitchen. Oh, this. Oh, that. She mixed some stuff together, put them in little baggies yeah. and sold them. Put a little label on them with a person's name. I yeah. just love it. I love businesses that start in that rudimentary way and to grow into something much bigger. Scrappy. Just getting started, figuring out along the way, Googling stuff when you don't know how to do things. You know, we love all entrepreneurs, but I think we have a soft spot in our heart for the gritty, (laughs) hardworking, just figure it out as you go, because that's kind of how we are. Well, no, that's exactly how we are. And she had a great appearance. And it was interesting. Robert um, um, felt that she was possibly too early. Cuban was out. Uh, feeling like it was a product, not a company. Lori didn't like the flavor of her product, so she tapped out. Uh, Damon went out. He was shocked with a $42 cost, which I was too, until I talked to my healthy friend, Tom Healy, and he said, well, you'd buy you know protein-based uh, products cost more and and so he educated me on and then that. you asked what protein was <laughs> and we went down a rabbit hole but and i also asked what gluten was and and mr w was out he he didn't like the the taste either in fact he was i thought it was pretty harsh he said this stuff tastes like crap but there was something interesting that occurred here he had a uh she had a backdoor offer um from damon so it's interesting how they 42% for 120,000. Yeah. So it's interesting how that happens, but uh Ashley's a great lady. Uh we just adore her. We love what she's doing. Yeah. Well, let's get into our interview with Ashley of Abs Protein Pancakes. All right, we are here with Ashley Drummond's Abs Protein Pancakes. <laughs> I can't see my abs. Have you been eating protein pancakes? He no. Okay, you know what? I shouldn't say this, but I'm going to. So he can be frugal at times. So he looks at me about a half hour ago and goes, "How could someone pay forty two dollars for pancakes?" And I'm like, "It's it's protein. Like, I, if you would have asked me, you know, hey, we have protein pancakes. What do you think it is?" I would have said, eh, $30, 40 bucks. I mean, that's what this stuff costs. It's not cheap to make." And mm-hmm. if it was too cheap, I'd almost be worried about it. So, yeah, but he well, caught but him completely in, off guard. In fairness, the guy that had the greatest reaction uh, on your on your uh, episode of Shark Tank, on your appearance, the guy that had the greatest shock and reaction, uh, oh, it's too expensive, I'd never uh, uh, pay $42, is the guy that made an offer. Right? <laughs> I know, I know. It's so funny because the people who are in the industry, they understand like – you buy a tub of protein, a pound of that, and you're going to spend 30, 40 bucks. It's the exact same nutrition. So of course, like it's like 90% protein powder. Actually, gonna... I, got that, I got that education from my partner. Tom, <laughs> a very healthy guy. I have Good to, job. I have to teach him everything around here. Technology, healthy foods. It's exhausting. So, well, let me ask you about the pricing. So when you were on the show, it was 12 to $14 to make it. Selling it at forty two ninety five. You said at scale, you might be able to get the price down. How has that changed over time? Yeah, so the price is down a lot more now. Now, on average, it cost me like seven seven fifty to make a product. Um, 
the price point, it's nice because it's it has not been $42.95 for a while. So a lot of my customers are very happy about that. But honestly, it never was a problem. People still bought it. Um, now it averages around $32.95. So it's $10 less than it was at the original airing. Um, and also I have a subscription service now. So people that are set up on auto ship programs can get it for $29.95, $28.95, depending on how much they order. So start at the beginning, where did the idea come from and how did you turn it into a business? <laughs> well, honestly, I was a personal trainer. I was, I had a personal training business in Tampa, Florida. I was just helping people. I was very passionate because I wanted to help people get in the best shape, transform their lives and their health and fitness. And I was doing it just on an hourly basis, working with people one-on-one -on -one, and it was very fulfilling, but I kind of reached a point. I think a lot of people do in business where they start to realize there's only so many hours in a week and there's only one of me. So while I was still in my personal training business, I set aside some goals and I got really specific that I wanted to continue to help people. I wanted to do something in the health and fitness industry, but I wanted to do something that allowed me the flexibility on both my income level and from being able to work from anywhere in the world. I no longer wanted to trade my time for money. And I had, at the time, I had no idea what that was going to be. I just set a goal that within one year, I wanted to make $100,000 doing something in this space along these lines, basically. Um, and I sat on that. I'm big into mindset and meditation. So I was like visualizing this. I imagined myself living this super freedom lifestyle and about two weeks later, one morning, I was about to go to my first personal training session and I was making breakfast for myself. And every day I ate protein pancakes. That was just what I did for myself. And it wasn't a product. It was a recipe that I had come up with because at the time there weren't any protein pancake mixes just in general, like they didn't exist when I started this. Um, but also none of them were gluten-free and wheat-free. And I wanted something that was gluten-free. I also wanted something that was low carb. And most of the mixes were like 20 to 40 grams of carbs. And I'm big on it being all natural. Most of them have sucralose, artificial fillers and all that. So that's why I created my own recipe. And I just had a light bulb moment one day while I've been sitting in these like visualization practices of wondering if I turned this into an actual product, if anybody would buy it. So I started out with just the clients that I had. I was putting it in little Ziploc bags and I was giving it out to them because they were having a hard time sticking to their nutrition, feeling like I don't want to drink protein. I want to chew food, but also I don't really want to keep eating egg whites and broccoli. I want something that actually tastes good. And I tested it out with them, not realizing I was testing it out. I was doing it more so like, here, here's what I eat. Like, try this and see if it works. And very quickly, everybody was loving it. And I never had the official like, oh, I'm going to sell this and people are actually going to buy it until one of my clients had a friend over for the weekend and she had made the little Ziploc bag that I gave her and her friend reached out to me on Facebook and was like, Hey, I tried these protein pancakes that so-and-so made. How do I buy them? And I was like, Oh my God, this is it. I'm onto something like somebody wants to pay me for my recipe. And that's truly how it started. Like it, I had no idea. I just was kind of running with it to see what would happen. And what year was that? So give us the timeline between, hey, I 
think I'm going to start a business to the time you ended up on Shark Tank January of 2016? Yeah. So this idea started in February of 2014. I just remember it was the beginning of a new year. Um, February, March, and April was a lot of just figuring it out. Like I was just selling it to anybody that asked me about it. I didn't have a website. I didn't have packaging. Nothing was very official. I was doing this out of my kitchen. And I mean, I was going to like a bulk food store, buying bulk organic coconut flour, mixing all these things up. And I have pictures of it that looks so ridiculous because it's like food saver bags. I was writing people's names with a Sharpie pen and like, here you go. This is Joe's bag of vanilla cake batter. That's great. And people like, this is the funny thing about it. When people talk about the price and even on Shark Tank, I'm like, before I even got to the Shark Tank point, people were driving all the way to my apartment in Tampa to pay $40 for this tub of protein. Like it wasn't a problem. Like people were willing to like, oh, I got 20 minutes. I can drive all the way over here to pick it up. So think you were a drug dealer. (laughs) I know. Right. Cause there's like powder everywhere and people are just showing up, giving me money. I'm like, I swear it's protein. It's fine. I'm also going to the post office every day with U-Haul boxes, like shipping stuff out. And they're like, what are you selling? I'm like, well, it's pancakes. Um, but yeah, so that was February, March till about April. It w- I had no idea. I didn't know anything about how to turn this thing into a product. So a lot of my time was just spent. I was Googling. I was calling other people who had like protein bar businesses like, hey, how the heck did you turn this into an actual product? Trying to figure it out. Um, that July, it was the last week of June. An opportunity came up with the local ABC station here where somebody was like, hey, we heard you have this protein pancake product. We would love to have you on for a 4th of July segment. Do you want to do this? Talking about healthy recipes for 4th of July. And I was like, yeah, that's awesome. And I'm like super fired up. I don't normally say no to anything. And right after I got off the phone with the girl, it hit me like, what? what am I going to go on TV with? I don't have anything. I have Sharpie pens and plastic bags. I don't, where am I going to send people? I don't even have a website. And like, I freaked out just a little bit, but so that was July of 2014. I, if you see the segment on YouTube, it's so terrible because I went to, I'm going to go find it. I'm going to go look at it. too. Like this is true beginnings. Like this is true. Like bootstrap beginnings. I had a food saver bag from target I mixed up my product and I put it in this food saver bag. I had printed a sticker label from Kinko's to the best of my ability to do graphic design, which is terrible when you see it. And that's what I went on this ABC segment with. And I directed everybody to a PayPal link on my Facebook page to purchase the product. (laughs) But I mean, it was crazy because I got so many orders, like hundreds of orders just from that. And it like, I know a lot of people, when they start up and they get in entrepreneurship, they're trying to be so perfect. And I'm like, look, if you got a good product, people don't care. They'll drive to your apartment to get it. They'll go to some PayPal link and order a food saver bag because they're not buying your fancy product. They're buying what they think your product can do for them. So that's kind of how it started. And then, so that's July of 2014. That September, I had moved to California. And the reason I moved to California is because I got a big, some big weightlifting influencer had found out about my product and she bought it and made a social media post that I knew nothing about that went out to like millions of people. And it totally boosted my sales. 
to the point though, that I couldn't fulfill that anymore. Like I had, it's almost like life kind of pushes you like, all right, you got to figure out the next step. Like you can't keep doing this in your kitchen. Um, so I had found a manufacturer in San Diego, California, the very first one that could work within my minimums. And I also found a fulfillment center out there. So I moved to San Diego in August. So ABC in July, moved to San Diego in August. And while I was out there and I'm talking to people about this big idea that I have that I have no idea how it's going to work out. A lot of people kept saying, they were like, oh, you should go on Shark Tank. You should go on Shark Tank. And at the time that seemed like so far out in the future while I'm still just trying to figure out what I'm doing. So I applied that September and I couldn't even answer half the questions that were on there because I didn't know. I didn't even know what customer acquisition cost was. I don't know what my turn rate is or anything. I'm just selling a product. So I filled it all out and totally thinking like they're never going to pick me because half my answers are blank. All I did was tell my story and I didn't hear anything back for a really long time. September all the way until that following March of 2015. So we're talking almost five or six months. I finally got a call back and the girl was like, hey, I'm so sorry for the delay, but we loved your story and we would love to put you through the first rounds of Shark Tank. And that was the very beginning of my process. So from application to the call, we're talking six months. And then from that process to actual filming was another six months because I filmed in June of 2015 and then aired in January of 2016. So the whole thing I tell people, I'm like, it was like a year and a half of having to just be very patient while figuring out how the heck to build a business while trying to prepare all the information that they wanted for Shark Tank to prove you even had a business. So it's definitely a lot. I have a quick question that that time... July 14, moving to San Diego, finding uh, a partner that could manufacture the product for you and just dealing with trying to figure out how to build a business. You had a product. I think one of the sharks said you have a product on a business. We hear that a lot. You probably heard that a lot up front. But as you're trying to figure that all out, can you tell us a little bit about how you uh, either seeked out or received mentorship in some form? Or were you just really doing this yourself in a bubble? So I have a funny story about that. Um, I actually had a business coach prior to that that was helping me with my personal training business, just teaching me like how to how to even do personal training business. And when I got to San Diego and I really felt confident at this point, I had enough people that were reaching out and ordering. I was like, I am onto something. I got to figure this out. I don't know anything about manufacturing. How do I find a manufacturer? I had reached out to this business coach, like super pumped and excited because I was like, this is it. This is going to be something big. And I said, Hey, here's what I'm doing. Can you help me find a manufacturing fulfillment or tell me somebody who can. And I remember his response was super long. And he was just like, Ashley, I don't know how to tell you this. This is a terrible idea. You shouldn't do this. Like it's never going to succeed. I don't want to see you get hurt. Like basically like, don't do this. This is the worst idea ever. And I remember first I cried because I was like, oh my God, my business mentor doesn't even believe in me. And I felt so good about this. Then I sent him an email back and I said, thank you very much for your feedback. At this time, I feel like we should discontinue our services because I'm going to move forward with this. And we didn't work together anymore. And I did not have another business coach after that. I was just very committed to 
I believe that if other people have done it, you can do it too. And so like, I just constantly kept reminding myself of like, all right, these people built this out of their garage. Those people did it in a commercial kitchen. All these other people on Shark Tank have done it. Like there's other people who have done it. Like I feel confident that I can figure it out as long as I just keep doing it and keep asking questions. So I didn't have anybody guiding me other than just, I Googled. I asked a lot of people, a lot of questions, anybody who would give me five minutes and most people were annoyed. But if you were just like, hey, how did you, where did you even search on Google to find a manufacturer? And like the way it works is like you kind of just connect the dots because I'd reach out to one manufacturer and they're like, oh yeah, we can do your product. We have 30,000 minimum order. And I'm like, 30,000, I'm doing like four a week. How am I going to afford 30,000? But in finding that out, then they would be like, oh, here's another manufacturer who does smaller minimums. Maybe talk to them. And I just, I mean... I just hustled and figured it out as I went because I was not going to hire another business coach that told me what I was doing was stupid. Ashley, with a business coach like uh, yours, uh, again, what a uh, what a trip, what a great story. But with a business coach like yours, you're better off just DIYing it. He was not an inspirational dude for sure. <laughs> right. Well, I mean, he to give him his credit, he is very good at what he does in his realm. But I believe like a lot of times coaches and mentors – they don't necessarily have to know how to do everything. Their responsibility is more to help you remember that you have the ability to figure it out, to keep going with it, keep asking questions. I'll do everything that I can to help you along the way. But just because I started a business doing this doesn't mean that I know all of your answers for everything. And like, that's what you need from your coach is like, I don't actually know, but we're going to figure this out together. Not like, hey, let me totally crush your dreams. <laughs> You went in the Shark Tank um, 120000 for 40%, and that's one of the highest I, I think I can ever remember. Was there any reason for the 40%? And did someone tell you to do that or give you advice, or was that just something that you wanted to do? Um, I wanted to do that because I wanted to offer something that was going to be enough of an incentive to make somebody want to invest but it also gave me the opportunity to keep majority control. So I've heard a lot prior to going on there, I heard a lot about how they'll immediately dismiss you if your evaluation is too high. So I didn't want to go in being arrogant, thinking like, hey, I'll take 5% for a million dollars. And they're like, you've been in business 11 months. Why in the world do you think you're entitled to that? So I was trying to offer something that I felt was a fair valuation of what I was doing and where I was headed but also was enough to incentivize the shark of like, hey, I mean, 40%, that's a big chunk. That gives me a pretty high stake of equity in the company. This might be worth my time. So that's kind of where that came from. After airing, how did life change for you? How did the business change? <laughs> Everything changes after you air. Everything changes because you do your absolute best. And I'm sure other people who have done this podcast with you say the same thing. Like you do everything you can to prepare, but you don't know. I mean, even the people like the producers are trying to tell you like, oh, I don't know, a similar business did this much in sales. You might do that much, maybe 50%. So you're trying to make wise business decisions of how much inventory to order, how much staff to have, how much support do you need? Some people have crazy stories about it where they don't get through their emails for months because they have so many people emailing them. I didn't have that at all. So I'm not sure if it's just like a situational thing based on what your product is, or if it's more of a systems thing of you just don't have good 
operation flows going on because I didn't, I mean, I had emails, but it wasn't unbearable. Like I still had a life. Other people, they were like, I don't even have time to eat and sleep. I don't know. It makes like, sometimes I'm like, well, what did I do that you didn't do? Anyways, um, afterwards it was very interesting because they kind of make you sit with a psychiatrist. I don't know if other people have shared this with you to make sure that you were prepared for whatever outcome, good or bad, that you're not going to lose your mind depending on what it is. And it makes sense now from stories that I've heard for me, what happened afterwards was that we'll say a week, the week from airing and after I made more money in that week, not only than I had ever made in my whole life, but then the business had ever done. So it's that like really weird, surreal moment where you wake up in the morning and you're just flooded with orders and flooded with money, except for then you also have this weird, like bittersweet moment of like, now what? Like I've spent the last year and a half of my life preparing for this and now it's here and it's done. You kind of have a weird lost feeling of like, I don't really know what to do with my business now because this was like the big high point and now you're just trying to keep momentum. So the first few months after probably like January to March or April, you are just trying to find balance because you have so much PR that's reaching out to you, wanting to do TV segments, magazine, um, interviews. You've got a lot of people wanting you to come speak at events while you're still managing the business and orders. You have a lot of people wanting to buy your product on wholesale. It's so it's very overwhelming for the first like four to six months because you're just now you're trying to figure out stuff that you've never done before while also maintaining and keeping up with the business. Um, I think after that though, you kind of get a good flow and I kind of got a good flow. And then I just totally needed to take a very long break from all of it. And like, all right, systems are in place. Things are good. I need to just kind of step away. Um, so that was like the first year afterwards of how it changed. And I've heard this story from a lot of the entrepreneurs that have been on it of that first year is awesome and solid. And then after that, you kind of do a little bit of like, all right, now what direction do I want to head? Like now that I'm not trying to just keep up with them, the, the momentum, what's my plan? Do I want to keep growing it? Am I going wholesale, direct to consumer? Do I want to exit eventually? Do I want partners? So you kind of have to just take a little bit of a step back and regroup and re-strategize instead of just trying to hustle and keep up with everything that's going on. So I'm assuming you had to re-strategize and what decisions did you make and how did the, the trajectory of the business change? Yeah. So when I first went into it, I think a lot of people, they have like huge dreams of like, oh my God, I'm going to be household brand on every shelf. I'm working with all the biggest retailers and distributors and you have all these like great ambitions. And I did too. So like initially I was like, I'm going in Whole Foods and I'm going in Costco and I'm going to GNC and all these things. And I got all those offers coming in, except for then when you look at it from a business model perspective and you realize like, where do you make the most money? Where do you get your customer database? What's the long-term plan with all of this? I actually completely stopped doing any wholesale and retail. And I just decided to go full direct to consumer for a lot of reasons. Um, I did some big deals after the airing initially, and it's super exciting and like really when like you sell out of thousands of units and minutes, except for when you look at what you actually made for all that work, you're like, wait a minute, 
even if I sold like a third of this amount of product and I did it all on my website, like it's way less work and I'm making twice as much money. So things like that, I kind of changed. I don't, so even now I don't do any wholesale or retail stuff because it's so much money up front. And you don't necessarily see that return for a long time unless your plan is some big exit strategy to a conglomerate that wants you on every shelf. So I only do direct to consumer. I do some stuff with other online retailers that I have good profit margins with for the main reason I like I teach a lot of entrepreneurs now, too, is you always want to make sure you always get your customer list. When you're working with retailers and wholesalers, they can drop you in a week because somebody has better prices. And not only do you lose that account and that contract, you also lose your entire customer database that loved your product and you have no way of reaching out to them. So everything that I do is all digital marketing, e-commerce, direct-to-consumer, affiliate marketing. Um, I always foster my email list, making sure I'm staying in touch with customers, with new products, anything that they want coming out. Um, That's been my strategy. And it's kind of an interesting thing to watch because I see a lot of businesses that went the opposite way that now they're like, oh, I'm trying to figure out how can I go from brick and mortar to now only doing e-commerce, even if you're not, so say you're doing 10 million wholesale and then maybe you do a million e-commerce, but you're making 60% on the million. And before you're only making like 4% on the 10 million. It's just like, plus one is way more simple. You're not dealing with like, a lot of legality and all these contracts and all this overhead of like, you have 90 day net, 120 day net. E-commerce based businesses, you're paid immediately. You're paid immediately. You have high profit margins. You have control over your business. You have the ability to move it in different directions without having to worry about, is somebody else going to produce my product at a much lower cost? And now I lose thousands of dollars. So that was one of the biggest shifts that I made is just making that decision of like, I'm not doing that anymore. It's way too much work. Plus you then have to have somebody on your staff to now manage all these accounts and keep up with them of who's going to make sure that like our purchase orders are complete and that we're getting paid on these on time. It's just, it's a lot. And I didn't want to deal with that. And I just decided I wanted a very simple business that was very profitable and helped a lot of people. Um, On top of that, in the beginning, I used to do a lot of affiliate stuff. I did a ton of affiliate marketing using them to help promote the product online. And it works and it worked. However, it also became something else to manage that I just did not want to manage anymore because you get some affiliates that are very successful that want different margins and to be treated differently. And then you're having to constantly reach out to them and kind of like, I don't know, kind of make them feel special. So they stay on board and keep promoting your product. And all of a, it's sudden, just a, you're, all of a sudden you're babysitting a sales force. Right. Now you have a bunch of affiliates that are pushing your product. It's a, for now they're sales people. And you're just like, Oh, dang it. I went from like all these contracts with wholesalers. To now it's affiliates. So I don't even do that anymore. Um, I have a few, but I mean, they manage themselves. If you want to promote it, great. If you don't, that's fine. Um, so I changed that. I also started just doing mostly micro influencer marketing. So when I first started out, influencer marketing wasn't a thing. It was just like, hey, you have social media followers. I have a product. If I send you product, will you make some posts about it? And then people started catching on over the last two to three years. And now it's like a thing. 
And a lot of influencers pay for all their followers and end up wanting to charge you a ton of money to make posts, but they're not getting any engagement. You're like, this is stupid. You have a million followers, but nobody buys anything from you. Um, So I prefer working with micro influencers. So people that have like 5,000 or less, because the only reason they have 5,000 or less is usually because they're actually producing good content and getting good engagement. And those have been some of the best people that I've had promote the product. Um, Trying to think of what else. I mean, that's the main stuff that I've changed since then. And I think the hardest thing afterwards is really staying focused on the direction you want to go with your business because it is so easy after Shark Tank, especially when people have aired the same time as you and are having, everybody has different opportunities that open up. It's very hard to not pursue every single thing that everybody is doing, thinking that you're also supposed to be doing that. So it's kind of like putting blinders on, staying in your lane, remembering like, hey, just because they're doing Whole Foods doesn't mean you're supposed to do Whole Foods. Like stay focused. What is your plan? What do you want? And ignore everything else. Um, That's probably the biggest struggle just in general. I mean, regardless of Shark Tank, that's business. Don't worry about what your competition and everybody else is doing. Like you might have a different path and journey. As you, as you coach other entrepreneurs, which I think is fantastic, I'm so glad you're doing that because you have a great deal of wisdom and you've learned so many lessons uh, the hard way, probably. Uh, <laughs> do you find that getting them convinced that it's okay to say no to an opportunity to focus on a better one, is that something that's difficult as you coach others? Um, that is a little difficult because it is kind of, that's a whole mindset thing. Like some of the biggest things I teach people is mindset. Like, so they think if they're saying no, it means they're saying no to everything. But if I say no to this, what if there's not another opportunity? It's like, that's no, no, no. Like you have to understand there's always more opportunities saying no to one thing just shifts your direction. Um, that's not so much what gets challenging in coaching other entrepreneurs to be totally honest. The hardest part in any kind of coaching is getting people to just do the work to keep up with it. Like I can tell you all day the specific things to do, but I can't do it for you. It's kind of like, I mean, this is where fitness comes into play. Like I tell people like I can be your personal trainer seven days a week, but if you go home and eat terrible food, I can't do anything for you. Like you have to do the work. You have to trust that I actually know what I'm talking about. And that's more what gets challenging because people do the work a lot of times in the beginning. And then when they don't get immediate results, like this isn't working. I might as well just give up. I'm like, no, no, no. You got to be in the long game. Like you don't work out once and then think you're now going to have a fit body for the rest of your life. You show up every single day, three to five days a week. And you have to trust that over time you will see your work pay off. That is what I try to convince entrepreneurs. And honestly, some of the most successful ones that I've coached have been people in the fitness space because they understand that concept, the discipline, consistency, and focus, and just sticking with that, knowing that it's eventually going to pay off. Yeah. I mean, how much of your success is just based on the fact that you're a hard worker and that you, you know, are not going to take no for an answer. And if you have a problem, you're going to figure it out. I mean, as you look at, you know, everything you've been through now, five, six, seven years, you know, how much of, again, is just grit and hard work? Mm -hmm. Honestly, that's like the majority of it is I don't necessarily think I'm the smartest person or the most successful or whatever, but I definitely am very disciplined and I'm very consistent. And I know that if I keep showing up 
Even if all I do is send one email that day, if I keep doing little things day by day, I know that sometimes that's all that it takes. And there's going back to fitness. There's the analogy that sometimes when I do workouts with people or they're like circuit, so it's 20 minutes, 30 minutes, I always tell people, I'm like, do not come out the gate too hot because what's going to happen is you're going to get super fired up. You're going to give it all you got for 45 seconds. And then you realize you still got 15 to 20 minutes left in the workout, except for you burned out at the beginning, slow and steady, one breath at a time, keep going. And that's what I tell entrepreneurs too. I'm like, do not show up tomorrow on our call with a hundred things on a to-do list you think you're going to do. And you think like, I'll knock that out. And once I'm done, that's it. Like, then I should see all the money roll in. Like do like two things a day. Just keep showing up little by little and you'll be really surprised how many people stick with it and how many people after like a few months, they're like, yeah, it's not for me. I'm done. I'm getting out of it. (laughs) Okay, that's fine. So yeah, so I mean, I think a lot of it is just consistency. What motivates you? Freedom. (laughs) Freedom for sure. I mean, don't get me wrong. There's plenty of times that I get caught up in my head like a lot of people where I'm like, God, this entrepreneur thing is just too hard. I should just take a job. I should just, it would be so nice to have like somebody else take care of everything and I'll just take steady income and somebody else pays all my benefits and I don't have to worry about this. That happens all the time, except for when I like finally sit down with myself and I get to the place I'm like, But I also really love that if I don't want to work today, I don't have to work today. And if I don't want to do something, I don't have to do it. Like I have complete freedom of my time and schedule and my income. And anytime I start to kind of lose momentum or motivation, I always come back to that. I'm like, oh, I'm not quite ready to give up my freedom though. And that's what motivates me truly. What's your long-term vision for this thing? For the pancakes? Yeah. Um, actually right now it's currently in the process of being acquired because I really want to continue to grow it, but I want to do it with somebody that has, I always believe like you grow by having people that have done more than you. So my goal is to have somebody that is bigger, much wiser, knowledgeable in the space that can help take it to another level that I haven't been able to take it to. Um, and allowing me to really focus on the things that I'm very good at in it of product creation, formulation, content, um, being able to just talk to people and do interviews like this. So that's really where that's headed. And I'm spending a lot more of my time just contributing and giving back by teaching other entrepreneurs and people the things that I've learned in the hopes that they're also able to create their own business and their own freedom and to really be able to live a life that they're passionate about. Two more quick questions. The first is, you know, as you look back at your entrepreneurial journey, are there any themes, lessons that that you want to share with the entrepreneurs that are listening to this or that you're constantly sharing with the entrepreneurs that you coach? Yeah. um, One of the lessons I've definitely learned, and this is just more of having confidence in yourself in the beginning in the business industry, I guess, is feeling like You think everybody else who's quote unquote an expert knows better than you do about your own business. And it's hard because you're gaining confidence as you gain experience. So in the beginning, I spent so much money with so many different digital marketers and Facebook ad agencies and all these companies telling me how to do my website and how to fix my email funnels and how to do my branding. I'm talking like thousands of dollars. 
And I just assumed, I was like, okay, well, you guys have been doing this. You must know better than me. Even though some of it was just kind of like, Ooh, that seems a little cheesy. Like, I don't really do that. That's not how I communicate with my customers. And sure enough, like I would do that. I would spend the money. I would let somebody else kind of do everything. And my customers didn't like it. It felt too branded and too polished and almost like, it's almost like the weird thing. Like you're trying too hard when what you're doing is already working, but you think like, oh, this is what I'm supposed to do or I should do because these experts are telling me this is the right way. So that's one of the biggest lessons I've had to learn is really just trusting my gut and doing what I feel intuitively is the right direction and not thinking that just because somebody else is successful, that doesn't necessarily mean that they know the best path for you. You still got to trust that. So that's definitely the biggest thing. I think every entrepreneur struggles with the comparison game of comparing their success to other people who have been in the same space. Um, And I actually, there was another interview that I was doing that I was telling somebody this. I was like, I wish in the beginning, I would have seen myself as successful from the moment that I made my first sale. Like, I wish I had that mindset. And that's what I teach people now is I'm like, you are successful the second your idea, somebody exchanges money for your idea. Because a week ago or prior to that, this was just an idea. Like you have to see how incredible that is that you even have somebody that wants to pay you for this, where I had that for a little bit in the beginning. And then I got caught up in the comparison game of like, Oh, well, I'm not a success until I do six figures until I do seven figures until you get to this point. And it can really just stop your momentum because you end up getting in the space of feeling like no matter where you get, it's never going to be good enough because there's always somebody that's going to be better than you. And you're like, oh, I thought I was successful because I sold one bag, but that person did 20,000. So that must be success, not me. So I think those are the main lessons that I've had to learn is just stay focused on the path, trust your intuition and your own gut, I guess, feeling of what you should do. And then you're successful. The fact that you've even taken this leap and done anything, because most people don't even get to the point of taking action on their idea. They just talk. So the fact that you take action, like I applaud you. Good job. You actually did something. Yeah. If you think about it, every entrepreneur uh, that is successful takes this idea. I call it nothing. It's nothing. And a day mm-hmm. later, a week later, it's something. Someone's paying you for that. You, you've created something from nothing, which in and of itself is amazing. Right. And then who cares if like your mom's the first person that buys it. Somebody gave you money for something that just existed in your brain. Like that's incredible. Don't worry about what everybody else is doing like that in itself. You're, you're in the 1% because you took action and actually created something instead of just sat with the idea. Well, it's ironic too, because there's people that raise 10 or 50 million for their business and they think they're successful because of that when they haven't sold a damn thing yet, you know, (laughs) and they end up blowing other people's money, but it's it, you're yeah. not, the people that bootstrap their way to making healthy pancake mix in their kitchen. And someone actually says, I want to buy it. And even more <laughs> importantly says, I want to buy it again. And I'm, and I want to tell yeah. my friends about it. That's a lot bigger of a deal than you realize in the moment. That's such a great lesson for everyone listening. Yeah, because you're not thinking about that. Like, that's not the success stories you hear. The success stories you hear are the people that did 100 million in two years and got acquired. And you're like, in two years, you did 100 million? What am I doing wrong? I'm not even close to that. 
It's like, wait, 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 they didn't tell you the backstory. They didn't tell you that really like there was so much crowdfunding. They actually own 1% of their company. They actually have a bunch of debt. Like they didn't sell anything. You're like, oh, that's not what you hear. And I wish more people heard that story of like, oh yeah, no, they just had this product and turned it into something that they built out of a kitchen and sold it, figuring it out with clients and friends. And then this is where it's at now. Cause those are the ones that I think actually inspire people because it's realistic. They, it's a starting point. They can figure it out from there. But yeah, when people share stories where it's from the beginning, they're like hundred million. You're like, I'm sorry, what? I don't even understand how to begin with that. When you bring up a great point about the comparison game too, because it's easy to look at someone and go, oh, they're in Walmart. Like they're doing so much better than me. And you don't realize that the inventory didn't pull through and they had to buy it back and they took on a bunch of bad debt to be able to even fund that inventory. (laughs) You know, it's no different than, oh, so-and-so is driving a really nice car. They must be doing better than me. Oh no, they're, you know, in debt up to their eyeballs. and Right. Yeah. Yeah. So you know, the comparison game's bad in business and in life. So final question, where can people follow you on social media and where is the best place for them to buy abs protein pancakes? Yeah. So on social media, everything is just my name, Ashley Drummonds. And then everything like about business is all just on ashleydrummonds.com. The pancakes are all abspancakes.com. Social media is all absproteinpancakes. And honestly, if you just Google absproteinpancakes, you can find it. All of it pops up everywhere. Awesome. Well, we so appreciate your time. Tons of great lessons. What a cool entrepreneurial journey. And we so appreciate you making the time to, to be with us today. Yeah. Thanks for having me, guys. This is fun. I told you that was going to be good. That was a good session. (laughs) (laughs) Ashley's uh, phenomenal. Uh, I have so many takeaways. We're going to get this is our post game, by the way. So this comes. So we do our pregame. Yeah. And then the actual interview. And now this is our postgame. Just to keep you straight. Oh, thank you. Okay, my notes are right here. I have my notes. Great. We take notes. We listen to these people. These are great entrepreneurs, gritty entrepreneurs. They have a lot to say. Do you want me to go first? You always go first. I know. Eventually, you're going to catch on. I have I have eight things. I, I have eight points here. Okay. Is that too many? Is no, that over eight, quota? Eight points is fine. <laughs> Just don't be verbose. I won't. You, you would um, never. <laughs> Actually, I have seven points. I miscounted. <laughs> See, use both oh. hands when you're counting. Remember, if it's to, over five, you have to use both hands. I cut off a few fingers in that chainsaw accident, so actually I got to take off a shoe. Is Don't okay? joke about that. You actually could do that. <laughs> I did not do that. Every weekend when he does yard work, he comes in on Monday either limping or holding his arm. Uh, I dropped the chainsaw on my ankle. Okay, so... Um, she's very intentional. Ashley is a very intentional person in almost every way, and I love that. She is absolutely focused. Um, she she made a comment. She said, you know, you don't have to get things perfect. And we've talked about over the years uh, the fact that perfect could be the enemy of getting started or, or having any traction at all. And we, you know, she told you a little bit about how she started and how rudimentary it was and i just think there's a there's a lot there you don't have to be perfect um you just have to get started uh third she had to learn how to say no there were a lot of directions she could have taken her business but she was very disciplined uh she had to learn how to say no and learn how to stay very very focused 
and uh, mission-centered. Um, she, like us, is a big believer in doing the work, um, actually putting the time in, doing the work, moving the business forward. Uh, and by the way, thinking and planning is part of the work. Uh, part of the work is making a product, not, not having it, uh, not having to have that product be perfect, putting it out, getting feedback, uh, tweaking, pivoting. So she's a big believer in moving forward. I call it failing forward. <clears throat> she used a word. There's a, I, I, it really resonated with me. We're probably kindred spirits because the most important thing to Ashley, and I know this will, this word will be important to you too if you're a, if you're a diehard entrepreneur. <clears throat> she used the word freedom. She said the most important thing to me is freedom. Freedom to mold her business, mold her day, live her life. And if you ask me where freedom ranks, freedom ranks for me. You know, I'm, I'm a very spiritual person. I love God. I love my family. I love my country. And then I love freedom. And freedom actually comes before money. I would take freedom over money. But freedom is very, very important to her. I know it's important to you, too. And that's why she decided to take the risks and build the business, which is what we, we all do. Um, she also said, Tom, that you can't lose your voice. You have to trust your gut. Your gut has to tell you where to go with your product. There's a lot of well-meaning people out there. There's a lot of other voices out there, but your internal voice uh, is most important. Um, and then the last point is beware of the evils of comparison, comparing mm -hmm. where you're at in any phase of your business, your growth, to where someone else is at. They have most likely a, a slightly or very different set of circumstances. So beware of the evils of comparison. Good stuff. Yeah. A couple here to add very quickly. <clears throat> I love that, you know, that initial mix she created, she just tested it with her training clients. It's free market research. Yeah. You know, and they tell you, oh, it's terrible. It's great. Add this, change this. And it's just, you know, you just got to get it out there and ask people for honest feedback. Um, you don't need a big market research firm to do that, but you just got to put it out there. Um, love the bootstrapping, you know, her going on to the local news and giving a PayPal link. <laughs> you know, so a lot of people would look at that and be like, oh, that's not very professional. Build out but it's site. fun. It's gritty. People are like, you know, this. I want to give her a shot. I'll order it. So, you know, it, everything doesn't need to be perfect and polished. Um and I thought that was great. You know, she had a quote, hustle and figure it out, right? Yeah. Not a bunch of coaches, you know, just saying, look, I, I just, I figure it out. I go online, I buy a book, whatever I need to do. Um, you know, we hear this a lot, but that direct to consumer where I'm owning the customer relationship. If you buy it off my website, I own your email address. I can reach out to you whenever, however, I can send you deals. But if you go into Walmart and buy it, I don't know who you are. I didn't know that you bought it. Even with social media, oh, I have all these Instagram followers. Well, what if Instagram becomes lame? What if they cut you off for some reason? What if they restrict how you can use it as a marketing tool? So I love owning that customer relationship, yeah. and I think that's so important. And then cherishing it and gathering information and nurturing those relationships. Um, the last thing, and I've, I've never heard anyone say this before, but I loved it. And the quote was, you are successful right after your first sale. <laughs> yes. And it's true. You yes. know, but in, in, in there's, there's two thoughts about this. Number one is, yes, does it mean you're going to have a yacht and be a billionaire? No. But once someone has purchased your product, 
Okay, that means that there is some level of success. Yeah, that they, they have given you their money, their hard-earned money, in exchange for whatever it is that you created, and that's a big, really important step. The opposite of that is these, you know, people, and we know who they are. Oh, I raised five million dollars. I raised ten million dollars. I raised two hundred and fifty thousand dollars. You haven't sold a damn thing. You haven't proved out your concept. You haven't even earned a dime from anyone in terms of an actual buying consumer, but you know, you're raising all this money and then you're going to go buy office furniture and then you're going to sign an expensive lease and then you're going to hire a bunch of people that don't even like working for you because you don't know how to lead. You know, I just, I, again, you see all these people that they're so focused on all that other stuff and getting all that money. I like when someone says, look, I created something and people are paying me for it. I've proven the concept. People organically are telling their friends. They're spreading the word. They're buying it again and again and again because they like it. So Ashley's awesome. Um, So excited to keep following her journey. Obviously, she gave you her personal information as well as the, the company. She's just an awesome entrepreneur to follow along. She does some coaching. So hit her up if, you know, she's able to help you out with your business at all. So Love this interview. Love Ashley. Love the business. Um, Again, our streak of just meeting all these incredible, nice, growing, gritty entrepreneurs continues. And I'm having a lot of fun with this. What about you? I'm having a blast. Excuse me, a frog in my throat. I had a question for you. If I eat some of Ashley's protein pancakes, will I be able to see my app someday? No comment for those of you. Hey, speaking not of athletics on YouTube. Speaking yes. of athletics, yeah. In eighteen hours, you're going to yeah. be swinging a golf club for the first time in ninety days. Yeah. How's that much. make you feel? I'm I'm just really interested what comes out of Joe Bazzello, the golfer, after not touching a golf club. New Year's Eve day, I played eighteen holes, put my clubs away. They've been gathering dust in my garage since that time. They're going to come out of the garage tomorrow morning. I'm going to step on a golf course. I'm not going to hit any balls. I'm not going to warm up. I may have uh, may have like a pre round beer. At, oh, actually, I can't. It's eight oh seven in the morning, so I, I'll have a pre round cup of coffee. But I don't know whether I'm going to shoot seventy four or one hundred and four tomorrow. I really don't know. And that's why I told you I think we should drive separately. <laughs> We probably should. Well, this was fun. Thank you, Ashley. And thank you, everyone that's listening to Outside the Tank. Uh, Digging what we're doing. We're going to keep doing it. We have so many more interviews scheduled. Tell your friends. Tell your friends. Spread the (laughs) word. Check out Growth Ted if you're an entrepreneur that wants to grow faster. And we will see you on next week's all-new episode of Outside the Tank. Bye, everybody.